Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The word of the Lord. Thank you, John. Good morning, everyone. My name's Eric. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, uh, welcome to Trinity. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Lent. We are in the season of Lent, and Lent is a season for uh, repenting. It's a season for lamenting as well. And this morning, if you are lamenting the loss of one hour of sleep, I am lamenting with you. If you will be lamenting this morning with your eyes closed, we will understand. We will understand. This year for the season of Lent, uh, the six Sundays leading up to Good Friday and Easter, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer together. As Lent is the season on the church calendar that is, out of all the seasons, most focused on prayer, my hope for us this Lent, as we move through the Lord's Prayer line by line and phrase by phrase, is this. If you don't pray, that's okay. If you seldom pray, I understand. My hope for you is that you would start by using the Lord's Prayer. This is why Jesus gave us His prayer. He gave us very specific, direct, and clear teaching. He says this is how you should pray. He's teaching us here how to connect with God. And you can do that through this prayer. Really, everything you need to connect with God is in this prayer. My hope is that if you do pray, but prayer is difficult for you, sometimes just frustratingly difficult and hard for you, my hope is that the Lord's Prayer will revitalize your prayers and move you into new places in your relationship with God. Really, everything that we need for revival, revival of heart, is here in this prayer. Last Sunday, we began with the opening address, Our Father. Today, we're moving to the first petition, which is, Hallowed be your name. Now, I want to say here as we open that I think that there should be a warning sign that comes with this first petition of the Lord's Prayer. When you go to the beach and there's no lifeguard, usually there's a warning sign somewhere that says, enter into the water at your own risk. Or if you're at a pool, there's no lifeguard, it says, swim at your own risk. Or if you go to some kind of playground with your kids and it says, this equipment can be dangerous. A child may fall, play at your own risk. 
this first petition of the Lord's Prayer should come with a warning sign. Pray at your own risk. Because this petition here at the beginning of this prayer that Jesus taught us is so explosive and powerful and dangerous. It should come with a warning sign. If God answers this prayer in your life, you will be disrupted. Your life will not be the same. But before we can really see and experience the effect of this prayer, we have to know something about what it is that we are praying. What are we asking for? We'll look at that, the nature of this prayer. I think we also need to see why it's placed where it is placed here at the beginning of the prayer as the first petition. The order of the prayer is significant. And then we will be able to see what the effect on our lives will be if God answers this prayer for us. So let's look at that. First, the nature of the prayer. What, what are we asking when we ask, hallowed be your name? There are two parts to the petition. There is the hallowed be and your name. Let's define and look at both of those as we look at this. We need to understand what we're saying to understand what Jesus is saying, we, what we are to ask for in this prayer. So I want to look at the second part first, your name. Uh, Isaac has been leading us in our liturgy and has been explaining this a little bit already. But God's name, what does that mean? What is God's name? God's name is more than the specific title or words that we use for God. God's name stands for the totality of who He is, His person, His character. God's name is... This is a brief definition. God as he really is. God as he has revealed himself to be. The first time this comes up directly in the Bible is in Exodus 3. There's a story of God appearing to Moses, telling Moses, Moses, here I am. I have a mission for you. I want you to go into Egypt and deliver my people out, lead them out of Egypt and bring them to me. And in that interaction, Moses and God are talking, and Moses has a question for God. He says, well, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say. I am has sent me to you. We think about that and we say, well, what is that? Is that really a name? I am? I am who I am? What kind of name is that? Uh, Pope Benedict actually has written on this topic. This is, it's like a name and a non-name at the same time. What God is saying here is that I, as God, I have exclusive naming rights for myself. There is really nothing in human language or thought that can capture my name, who I am. If we don't respect God's right to name himself, we can't have a relationship with him. He says, I am who I am. Let me illustrate this with a little exercise here, the importance of God's name. Would you do this for me? Would you write your name down? If you're taking notes, write your name down in your bulletin first. 
and last name. And look at it. Just look at your name. In one respect, nothing is more valuable than that to you. Nothing is more important for you than those letters that form your name and what they mean. Why? Because they represent you. That is you. And if actions or attributes are attached to those letters, those words on the paper that are not true, that are not accurate, that don't conform to the reality of who you really are, it means that other people won't know you, can't know you until all that gets cleared up and your name is restored. So, for example, my name, Eric Kapoor, if certain things like this get attributed to my name, Eric Kapoor, he was born in St. Louis, so he loves the Cardinals, and, and he is single. His favorite thing to do is to go to Costco, especially when it's packed. If that is what you believe about me, if that's the information attached to my name, then you don't know me. <laughs> And you can't know me, especially the part about the cardinals. <laughs> and I don't want to know you. <laughs> you let me tell you who I am. That is how we have a relationship with each other. That's my name. And if you were to write the name of God down, God, the same to a far, far greater level applies to God. We can't know him. We don't know him. We can't have a relationship with him unless we know him as he really is. A.W. Tozer once wrote, What comes to mind when a person thinks of God is the most important thing about that person. If God exists, then all other knowledge, right, would start with knowing God who God is, His name, knowing God as He really is. This is why the Bible teaches that the most important and valuable thing to God is His own name. In Ezekiel 36, 22, and 23, God is saying, I must act. I must act. But He tells the people of Israel who are in exile, He says, I must rescue you. I must act on behalf of you, but I'm acting not for you, but I'm acting on behalf of my own name because you have profaned it. You've made it common. You've misrepresented it among the nations. So I have to act. I have to rescue. I have to restore you so people will know my name. Now, it sounds a little weird at first to say the most important thing to God is his own name. But if God is God, the creator of the universe, then there's nothing more serious or harmful than misrepresenting him, slandering or insulting his name. Because we can just approach this very logically. If God is the creator of all things, the God of the universe, if we get God wrong, we get everything else wrong. If God is God, if God is real, there is nothing more important to our own lives. There's nothing more important to understanding meaning, our destiny, our purpose, than knowing God as He really is, the name of God. 
What does it mean to hallow the name of God? Hallowed is not a word that we use very often. In modern English, we talk about the hallowed halls. Maybe we would say the hallowed halls of Oxford or the hallowed grounds of a special place. It's a place of honor and respect. It's all tied up in the word Halloween, which was originally All Hallows Eve because it was the day before the Hallows Day or the Holy Day, the Day of All Saints. Hallowed is an English, old English way of saying holy. So translated into modern English, this petition and phrase in the Lord's Prayer would say, your name be honored as holy. Now why not just lose the word hollow as we're praying the Lord's Prayer since it's such an old word? Well, this is a little bit of a side note, but the Lord's Prayer has been prayed this way for so long in the English language, the name, the word hollowed has become hollowed itself. And so translations keep the word hollowed as a way of preserving the power and the sacredness of this part of the prayer. And I think that's the right call as long as we understand what we are asking and saying. And that is this, to hollow something does not mean that we make it holy, does not mean that we actually set it apart by hollowing it or make it special. It means that we recognize, treat, acknowledge, and honor something as holy. So let's put it all together. Hallowed be your name. When we pray this, what are we asking for? To pray, hallowed be your name, does not mean that we are asking for God to be more holy. He is already holy to the nth and infinite degree. It is asking that we and others recognize, treat, and honor God as He really is holy. Another way of saying it is we are asking for ourselves and others that we would step more further into reality. Because the most solid reality that there is, is God himself and his holiness. The only word used three consecutive times to describe God, we've already sung it twice in two different songs, is the word holy. Holy, holy, holy. No other attribute is described in three consecutive ways to describe who God is. In Isaiah chapter 6, in Revelation 4, in both these places, what we're given is a glimpse into the heart of heaven. Heaven is not a, a, a location somewhere out there. Heaven is where the full reality of God and His presence is most fully felt and known. And what is happening at the heart of heaven? What is being said? Holy, holy, holy. Holiness is less a specific attribute of God or an aspect of His character as it is His Godness, His otherness that He has set apart above and beyond us and all creation to an infinite and an incomprehensible degree. That is God's holiness. Simone Weil said this about the Lord's Prayer. She was a French philosopher and mystic. We are asking, when we ask for this, for something that exists eternally with full and complete reality, 
so that we can neither increase or diminish it, even by an infinitesimal fraction. In my own personal practice of prayer, uh, most often every day I pray this prayer, and we actually sung this also earlier in the service. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forever. Amen. Praying, hallowed be your name, is praying ourselves and others into what was in the beginning, what is now, and what shall be forever. The most solid reality there is, the holy God. Let me share another illustration. Praying, hallowed be your name, is kind of like praying. I'm going to walk over here. Don't worry, I'm not leaving. Um, it's like praying, solid be this wall. I say, solid be this wall. I'm not making that wall solid. That wall already is solid. I'm saying, let me recognize and treat as solid this wall. Now, if I don't recognize or treat that wall as solid, as I'm walking around here and I'm just walking up to that wall, it will impact me whether or not I realize that wall is solid or not. I will hit it. I will run up against that wall. Friends, this is what the Bible teaches. The full reality of God will hit you, will impact you. We can either acknowledge and recognize Him or we will run into Him. The opposite of hallowing God's name is not to unhallow or unholy it. It's not possible. It's to profane it, to make it common. To define God as we imagine Him to be, as we want Him or prefer Him to be. And when we do that, we will run up against the reality of the real God. Let me, let me give you a test, a test for all of us. If, if your idea of God always seems to conform, it always seems to adjust to what's most accepted or popular in your cultural group, in your cultural tribe. If your idea of God never makes you feel uncomfortable, sometimes almost to the point that you feel like you're holding on to irreconcilable mysteries beyond your comprehension. If your God never disagrees with you or rebukes you or calls you out or reveals to you things that you believe about Him that are not true and must be changed against your preferences, against your desires. If any of these things apply to you, then you may not believe in a real God, but a God of your own making, a God that you imagine. And to some extent for all of us, that is true. Which is why we ask, hallowed be your name. May I know you as the God you are, not the God that I prefer you to be. So that's what we're asking, that the whole world and us might more hallow his name, that we might praise, adore, worship God for who he really is.
That's the nature of the prayer. It's what we're asking for now, the order. When should we ask for this? When should we ask for God's name to be hallowed? Jesus teaches we should ask first for this. Before we ask for anything else, there is a clear order in the Lord's Prayer as a whole. You can see that as you're looking at the Lord's Prayer. We begin by saying, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. God first, and then us. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us, and so forth. But there's also an order to our Godward prayers. Even before we ask that God's purpose be accomplished, that His will be done in us and around us, first we pray that He be adored and praised and worshipped for who He is. Now, I want to say a disclaimer before I move into this. This is not a wooden kind of thing, like a formula, that we always move through this list without exceptions. There are exceptions in the Bible. Sometimes in the Psalms, the psalmist is praying and just crying out, Lord, hear my prayer, rescue me. And there are times when we need to pray like that in desperation. So it's not like we have to say, oh, this prayer, I first, hold on one second, like, like the way that I dance where it's like one, two, three, four. That's not how prayer should feel where we say one, two, three, four in a wooden way. But there is a pattern to the dance of prayer that Jesus is teaching that more and more should characterize our prayers. This is the path. This is the pattern. This is how we connect and grow closer to God. And this is a sign that we're growing deeper in prayer. So my, my friends, my Christian brothers and sisters, how much time do we spend praising and adoring God just for who He is? Not asking Him for anything, just praising Him. Why is this order important? This order is important because without praise, our relationship with God will become more and more about us and not about Him. This is the difference between religious prayer and Christian prayer. It's right here. If you don't do a lot of praise and adoration, it's a sign that your prayers are very religious. If the other parts of the prayer you can pray... But not this first part. Hallowed be your name, really, truly. If it's the least interesting part of the prayer to you, or if you do, you pray it, you rush through it, you never linger here. You never stay here and sometimes feel like, I don't have to pray anything else. I'm just going to stay here and adore God. Hallowed be your name is praising God for God for His name, not for anything we can get from Him, but for Him, for who He is. Until we can praise God like this, He won't be real to us and we won't be changed. The reality of God will not break into our lives and shape us and change us because we're only coming to God for what we can get from Him and not for Him. If I said... Um, in a group, stood up before a group of people and said, let me take a moment right now. I just want to praise my wife. And I said, let me praise my wife. She makes my dinner every night. She washes my laundry and my dishes. 
She lets me watch my sports. You know, and this is amazing. She, has a, she gets a check for what the work she does. She takes her check and puts it in my personal bank account every month. Oh, I love her so much. Now, you're probably thinking, something's wrong with that. That is a one-sided relationship. You're not in it for her at all, but you're in it for yourself. Only for what you can get from her. Jesus says, we praise first. So we learn to praise God and adore Him for who He is. We love Him for who He is, not for what we get from Him. That's a real relationship. Not about us, but about Him. There's a second aspect to this. The order is important because it really unlocks the rest of the prayer. It unlocks the rest of the Lord's prayer for us. Without this, without this being prayed genuinely, we won't really pray the rest of the Lord's prayer with ardor and with passion and with meaning. Let me explain. Thy kingdom come. How can we sincerely pray for the kingdom to come unless we love the king? and want Him to rule? How can we pray for His will to be done unless we know He is good and just and compassionate? How can we pray, give us this day our daily bread and have peace with whatever God supplies unless we know He's wise and loving and He knows what we need? Forgive us. Will we really ever ask for forgiveness? Will we really ever forgive others until we desperately see how much we need forgiveness in light of the holiness of God and His glory? Will we pray, lead us and deliver us with passion and ardor? Will we pray out of temptation unless we see the goodness, the greatness of being in the center of relationship with God, praying that anything that would lead me away from you, keep me and deliver me from that. Praying, hallowed be your name. Praising and adoring God for who he is unlocks the rest of the Lord's prayer for us. It is praying, hallowed be your name. It is praising and adoring God It's how these things go from just intellectual ideas. How God goes from just the concepts and the ideas and the thoughts of our mind to the very center of our hearts, souls, and being. The order of the prayer is significant. Thirdly, the effect. I said at the beginning of this message that This is the most dangerous and explosive and powerful part of the Lord's Prayer. When we really know and honor and recognize God for who He is, we then will see ourselves for who we really are. This is where it gets powerful, and this is where it gets dangerous, disruptive. This is what happens in the Bible when this prayer is answered see a number of instances where God answers this prayer in the lives of people. 
It happened to Moses. Moses prayed to God, God, show me your glory. Show me yourself as you really are. It happened to Isaiah. We read about this in our time of confession, the prayer of confession. It happened to the apostle John as he was praying in exile on the island of Patmos. When Moses prayed and God said, he said to God, show me your glory, God said to him, Moses, no man can see my face and live. No one can bear the full force of the reality of who I am and live. Isaiah was brought into the presence of God's holiness. And what did he say? Woe is me. I am ruined. The apostle John said, when I saw the holiness of God, I fell on my face like I was dead. Whenever God answers this prayer, two things happen. People feel and see their great danger confronted with the full reality of God, so they hide. They fall to the ground and say, I cannot bear the full reality of God. But that's not the most powerful part. Because what we see happen is that God draws near in His grace to cover sin, to remove sin, so that a sinful human being can relate and experience the reality of God. And nothing is more powerful than that. Moses is hidden in the rock, we're told. God proclaims his name to him. Isaiah's lips are touched with the flaming coal and is told, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. In the book of Revelation, John says, Jesus himself laid his right hand on him and said, Do not be afraid. I was dead. But now look, I am alive forever and ever. Jesus placed his right hand on John and said, I died for you. And I rose for you. So that you could know the reality of God. When God answers this prayer, we see ourselves for who we are. We see our sin for what it is. The reality of our sin, our need for a Savior becomes undeniable. But when God answers this prayer, we see the name of Jesus for what it is. We see Jesus himself for who he is, as beautiful, as precious, as the one who brings us into the reality of God. There is no other name given under heaven by which we are saved but the name of Jesus. As Jesus himself becomes more real and beautiful and wonderful and precious to us, when God answers this prayer, that's where real change happens. Powerful change. This is the prayer we need. Hallowed be thy name. This is the prayer we need to change the patterns we have that we can't seem to change. 
the habits we have, the sins that we have, the things in our lives that we are most ashamed of, the addictions that we can't get rid of, this is the prayer that has power to change us. Because what we most hollow in our lives is the thing that most shapes us, the thing we most, most value, the things that we worship, they drive us, they form us. The more holy God is to us, the more real He is to us, the more holy we become. So let me suggest to you that if you are seeking change, if there are things in your life where you can't seem to find the power to change, maybe instead of asking, Lord, give me the power to change, change this, do something about this, make me more joyful, patient, etc., maybe instead we need to say and pray, hallowed be your name. Because when God answers that prayer, when He becomes what we worship and value and treasure more than anything else, then the other things that we worship and value and treasure and praise, we see them for what they really are. Empty. They can't deliver what God alone can be and do for us. Final thought. The more real God is to us, and this is connected to what I just said, the more happy we will be. The less our happiness will be tied to our circumstances. So I want to do one final exercise with you as we close. If you have something, you can write this down. You can think of this in your mind. What is the one thing you want God to answer the most in your life? right now, that would make you the most happy and joyful. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. As you're praying to God, what is the one thing that will make you the most happy and joyful right now if God answers that prayer? So you have your number one, fill in the blank, whatever you put in. And maybe side by side, right next to that, you can write this prayer. Hallowed be your name. The Bible teaches when it comes to the question of which one really will make me more happy and joyful. It is hallowed be your name every time. Why? Because, friends, we were made to glorify and enjoy God forever. It doesn't mean whatever you put in the blank, whether you put in, I want to get this job or this promotion. I want to secure this deal. I want to get this grade. I want to get into this college. I want to see this, this issue resolved. I want to have this relationship fixed or I want to find this. Would you heal this ailment? Would you do this thing? It doesn't mean that those things are not important. It doesn't mean God won't answer those things. It means there is a happiness and a joy that is not dependent on any of these, and that is God himself, our greatest joy. Thinking rightly about God is a part of this, but it's not enough. The most knowledgeable people about God in this world 
are not necessarily the most holy and happy ones. You may know that already. The most gifted people are not necessarily the most holy and happy people. The people who do the most for God are not necessarily the most holy and happy people. But the people who have this prayer answered are the most holy and happy people. There's no other way to get there than to pray this prayer. And that God would be so gracious in our lives to answer this prayer. Hallowed be your name. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I ask that you would give us the grace, the courage, the heart to learn more fully to pray this prayer. That whatever's happening in our lives, whatever's going on with our circumstances all around us, whatever emotions are swirling in our hearts, that you would give us the gift of learning to pray, hallowed be your name, that we might praise you, adore you, and worship you for who you really are. Thank you. Thank you that we know you long and love to answer that prayer. You long and love to bring us more fully into the reality of who you are. And we know that because of to such an extent you have gone to give us this prayer by sending your son to make it possible that we can run right into the full reality of who you are. Give us the gift, I pray, this Lent, this week, this season of our lives, that we might more fully know you and love you for who you are. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me?